Welcome to Free For All Fridays on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Good afternoon. This is Free For All Friday. I'm Deb Hutton filling in for Amanda Galbraith for the month of October. Amanda is, I think, still awaiting the arrival of her little one, uh, but we'll be taking some maternity leave uh, away from her regular Friday show. And I'm thrilled to be here to fill in and uh, spend the next hour with you. This is always an opportunity on Free For All Friday to take a look at some of the big headlines of the last week. We've talked about them on many occasions throughout the week on, on the iHeart uh, radio network. But today we'll drill down a little bit, as we do every Friday, with a couple of experts in the communications, politics, and media field. Those experts today joining us are Ryan Price, News Director and Afternoon Drive host on CFAX 1070 in Victoria, B.C. Welcome, Ryan. Hello, and nice to meet you, Deb. You too. And Karen Gordon, who I will say up front is a friend of 20 plus years of mine. Uh, she is the principal of Gordon Strategy and host of Reputation Rescue, Rescue with Bill Carroll on News Talk 580 CFRA in Ottawa. Welcome, Karen. Good to chat. Great to chat. I had to get my calculator out, Debbie, to figure the years, and we have been friends. I think you should stop time. right there, Karen. Karen, stop right there because you're gonna, you're going to. Like, we have these young, fresh voices, and people are gonna think we're old, right? Okay, I will leave it there, Deb. <laughs> um, so we're gonna start off the top, no surprise, with the public inquiry that is examining the use of the Emergencies Act uh, in our federal capital. We all know last February, the federal government invoked the Emergencies Act for the first time in its existence. It had replaced an older act that had been used by the current prime minister's father back in the day, as we say. And uh, on uh, January 28th, protesters moved into Ottawa, turned it into what most of us, I think, considered uh, going beyond a protest and becoming an occupation. It lasted until February the 21st. And in mid-February, here's what the prime minister said when he invoked the Emergencies Act. The federal government has invoked the Emergencies Act to supplement provincial and territorial capacity to address the blockades and occupations. So what happens uh, in to make sure we have checks and balances on the use of this, and, and as well as I would say public pressure since uh, the end of February, we have begun what looks to be a fairly lengthy inquiry into whether the decision by the government met the threshold that it should meet before invoking uh, the act as a response to the Ottawa uh, occupation. In his opening remarks yesterday, the Commissioner Paul Rulo explained how the inquiry will work. Uncovering the truth is an important goal. When difficult events occur that impact the life, lives of Canadians, the public has a right to know what has happened. But inquiries are also forward-looking. They seek not only to understand what has occurred in the past, but also to learn from those experiences and to make recommendations for the future. We also heard from Brendan Miller, the legal counsel for the Freedom Convoy organizers themselves, uh, when he took the stand yesterday. It is our view that there was no justification whatsoever to invoke the Emergencies Act. There was no reasonable and probable grounds to invoke the Emergencies Act and that the government exceeded their jurisdiction, both constitutionally and legislatively, in doing so. Now, there were a number of people uh, set to testify today, and this is, of course, day two of the inquiry, including a number of individuals who were directly impacted by the occupation in Ottawa. Victoria de la Ronde is a, a woman who was... Uh, 
impacted. Uh, she is actually uh, legally uh, blind, I believe, and this is what she had to say on the stand. I called and begged a friend, could you just please, I, I know you have to walk in and get me out. Can you? Excuse me. Can you just please come and get me out? And she did. And two days later, I had, we both had COVID. So you can hear the emotion in her voice, in her testimony. So I say to our friends on the panel today, Ryan and Karen, uh, I'll start with you, Ryan. What is your take on this? Do you think that this is uh, going to actually make a difference for the federal government? Do you think it'll be uh, a lot of noise, but in the end won't really matter, and it's just a process that we need to go through to feel better about uh, the act having been invoked? Well, I think it is a process we have to go to. In fact, that's part of the system, right? If you invoke right. this act, it's built in that we, we have this process, and I think that's really good. I think it's great that we have this examination when a government uses such a powerful tool to, to make sure it was done right and better guide it. We've never used it before. So getting that kind of guidance and reflection, I think is positive, despite a lot of the fireworks you're hearing around this thing. I think this is a, a procedure that's good. And I, 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 I look back to those moments. It's, it's hard right now looking back. Things have cooled down so much. We're not seeing those protests out like we did. The pandemic waves have subsided a bit. We're not all gripped in the paralysis that was COVID restrictions and and fear and, and all of that stuff that was that was affecting us. But so right now we're in a cool, calm place. Back then, it, I, I'm in Victoria. I'm about as far away from Ottawa as you can get in this country. But my, my recollection was a dire situation where for weeks and weeks and weeks, these protesters had blocked streets, closed businesses, harassed citizens, caused growing, growing anger. And the authorities that existed, the police, for instance, in Ottawa, my recollection is that they were not up to the task. It was so much so that the, the police chief resigned because of all of it. The, uh, the tow truck companies that they were trying to get to come and remove some of these things wouldn't do it. It was paralysis. Yet there was this growing crisis that was paralyzing the nation's capital. What Something had to be done. Was it the Emergencies Act? Was that the thing that had to be done? I don't have the answer. I'm kind of hoping this process, this inquiry will find that. But I, I do understand if I remember what it was like back then in February, the, the, that there was a situation that had to get addressed somehow. Uh, and I do remember that. Which, which, what was the correct response? I guess that's what we have to find out. Yeah, and Karen Gordon, uh, one of the concerns I have, jumping off of Ryan's point, is that we will get into what went wrong prior, which is a different kind of inquiry, as opposed to what information did Cabinet have in front of them at that moment that they made a decision to invoke the Emergencies Act. Because I do worry that that because people are frustrated and, and it was, a I think for most people, a failure of policing, I do worry that this inquiry will be too broad and have so much noise that we don't actually stick with the, the issue at hand, which as I said, I believe is whether or not the information they had the day they made the decision was adequate for cabinet to take the decision it had. And I think that's really at the heart of this. You know, interestingly, I'll just say this because it's a little bit coincidental. My cousin's Ottawa for the, my cousin's a lawyer for the Ottawa Police Service and just finished her first round of questioning in the inquiry. I think the challenge is going to be Deb. There's 65 witnesses, and they range everything from people who were affected to lawyers for the convoy 
to the prime minister. There's a lot of different witnesses. Everybody brings a different angle to this. And if we just end up rehashing what happened with the truckers, we're not going to get any answers and get those important answers that you're looking for. I think a lot of this is going to come down to what the witnesses say. And if we as the public get sidetracked on you know some of the interesting details around what happened to the people who were trapped within the area how what happened with the police i think amongst the most interesting witnesses we're going to see that may give us the answers we're looking for the former police chief um and then the federal the members of the federal cabinet who are going to come and speak i think that's where we really start to get down to those critical issues and with 65 witnesses this could go on and on and on yeah, I think they've said sort of a minimum of, of six weeks. And again, if it's so broad, and to Karen's point, there are so many agendas at play, in particular rehashing the, the convoy itself and, and the reasons behind it, uh, I, I, I just, I am not convinced that this will actually, Ryan, give us a good set of recommendations that speak specifically to the use of the act. Yeah, there's so many people jumping on this for political theater reasons. You mentioned the the convoy protesters themselves. And then you've got Alberta, Saskatchewan, who love to play the, the victims of the federal government who want to cast particularly a federal government run by somebody named Trudeau as as a villain in their story. And this is prime prime opportunity for them to jump on that. We're certainly seeing it. Uh, I mean, I, I think there's some valid arguments that they want to make and you, you need somebody to make the counter arguments. But uh, but yeah, we're going to see a lot of theater in this that won't necessarily help. Speaking of Alberta, coming up after the break, we are going to talk about Alberta's brand new premier. Free for All Fridays continues on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. I'm Deb Hutton. I am filling in for the month of October for Amanda Galbraith in this time slot every week from 1 till 2. Joining us this afternoon to talk about the top stories of the week nationally are Karen Gordon, Principal of Gordon Strategy and host of Reputation Rescue with Bill Carroll on News Talk 580 CFRA in Ottawa, and Ryan Price, the news director and afternoon drive host on CFAX 1070 in Victoria, BC. Topic two we're headed towards is Alberta's new premier. On Tuesday, Danielle Smith was uh, sworn in as the 19th premier of that province after winning the United Conservative Party leadership race last week. She's caused some controversy already, and we're only a few days into her premiership. She uh, promised to govern on core values of freedom, family, faith, community, and free enterprise. She alluded to the fact that she would follow through on her promise to implement a proposed sovereignty act for Alberta, something we've we've had bounced around many times in the last number of decades. And at her first news conference after being sworn in, she said Albertans should expect rapid changes to who is managing health care in the province. So this is a management problem. It is not a problem with our frontline workers. Our frontline workers need to be supported. And when it happens in a, in a business, when they fail to meet targets and they fail to meet direction, you change the management. And so that's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to change the management. So just when you thought that might be a controversial statement coming out of the gate as a new premier, she went on to say that she will amend the Alberta Human Rights Act to add vaccination status as a grounds subject to protection from discrimination, saying that unvaccinated people have suffered greater discrimination 
than those based on race, gender, sexuality, and others. Let's listen to the new premier herself. I don't think I've ever experienced a situation in my lifetime where a person was fired from their job or not allowed to watch their kids play hockey or not allowed to go visit a loved one in long-term care or hospital or not allowed to go get on a plane to either go across the country to see family or even travel across the border. So they have been the most discriminated against group that I've ever witnessed in my lifetime. And that last little bit, I think, is what has caused the controversy. Now, the next day on Wednesday, she did come forward with a statement. She said, I want to be clear, I did not intend to trivialize in any way the discrimination faced by minority communities and other persecuted groups, both here in Canada and around the world, or to create any false equivalencies to the terrible historical discrimination and persecution suffered by so many minority groups over the last decades and centuries. However... There are those, uh, including Alberta's opposition leader, who say that Premier Danielle Smith is making the province an international embarrassment. Rachel Notley said she needs to clarify if she actually believes her earlier statements about so many things. Let's listen to the opposition leader. All the remarks uh, that uh, Danielle Smith has made thus far on matters relating to health care further uh, cause Albertans to question whether they can trust her to have anything to do with her health care. So, Karen, I'm going to start with you as a host of Reputation Rescue on the iHeart Network. Is this something our new premier in Alberta can recover from? You know, it it reminds me of when Kim Campbell said on the first day of the 93 federal election that elections aren't time to talk about policy. Um, this is something I think she's going to carry with her. The, the more concerning part is when you listen to the clip, it's one thing to read it, but when you listen to the clip, you can truly believe that she actually buys it. And I, and I think that's the bigger problem. That along with, you know, changing management of healthcare, giant steps that may be hard for her to fill. I think this will actually, though, the line about being the most discriminated, not only is it outrageous, I do think it's something she will not be able to shake. Yeah, Ryan, I, I agree with Karen on this one. I, uh, you can tell in her tone, uh, I don't think it was just hyperbole. I, I think she actually believes, and, and certainly talking about changing the human rights code in that province, she actually believes what she said. And I think it's tough to come back from that. Oh, I completely agree. Uh, and I think even if she didn't say that, I think that sentiment is implied in all of those actions you just mentioned, changing the the, the human rights so that people who are unvaccinated are are given those rights just like anybody else who's discriminated against. I mean that that fits exactly with what she said, and it it fits in, and it's it's confusing to me. I mean, I'm sitting here in British Columbia, and I think we have an 85% fully vaccinated rate here. I don't know what it is in Alberta, and the the continued. Um, uh, discourse that 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 is what we're hearing out of uh, the new Alberta Premier, or even Pierre Polyev on his campaign trail federally when he was trying to uh, successfully become the the leader of the Conservative Party. That that continued uh, playing to to the the, the anti vaxxer sentiment and the the discrimination against those people. Uh, it just confuses me, considering that seems like such a small part of the population. Uh, our our Premier here in BC, our outgoing Premier John Horgan, was on CFAX this week uh, on our radio station here, and he. He made some national news by making a comment, uh, calling Daniel Smith's comments laughable. And he went on to say, these are critical times. And for the incoming premier, 
to focus on a sliver of the population who chose not to get vaccinated when there are all of these other challenges seems short-sighted to me and i just disagree with her and that was our vc's premier being very very candid he's he's on his way out he, he has nothing to lose now he can speak his mind but i thought he kind of said in quite plain terms what what confuses me about all of this i don't quite get how how that continues to be such a major driving force for a certain end of our politics but it is and uh i'm, I'm scratching my head about it. it it must be for a reason there must be some some reason it's working for them but it, it seems like i i feel like it's speaking to such a small part of the population and it's just going to rile up such a larger part so karen because you you deal with uh, reputations and and crisis management and those types of things if you had to advise danielle what would you actually advise her because she brought out the statement that i i quoted a piece from but she also said she was going to meet with a number of minority groups it strikes me that that's just going to belabor the issue without actually having any solid impact you know, first thing, though, let's start with this is a bit on brand for Alberta premiers. There's just something different if you even going back to Ralph Klein. There's just something a little bit different about Alberta premiers that they seem to have a little bit more room to make these kind of mistakes. And it's a little bit more accepted that they're going to say these type of things. And and so, you know, within Alberta, this may not be seen to be as bad as we're seeing seeing it. I would not go and meet with groups because I do agree with you, Deb. I think this is going to drag the story out. I think you say your apology and also her apology is um, quite long. It's about four paragraphs or three or four paragraphs long. I think that was a bit much. I think you just say, you know, what I said was stupid and I'm sorry and I'm going to rethink it. This tour now is going to get coverage. The meeting with the minority groups are going to get coverage and the story is just going to continue, continue, continue. And every time we think of her, it's just reinforcing the message that she said something that was ridiculous. But again, I think the bigger concern is that she likely believes it which is a bigger problem than the comms around this. Which is why I, I didn't put a lot of stock in the statement or the, the listening tour that she's embarking on. But to your point about Alberta, I mean, do you think this is as big an issue in Alberta as the three of us are think it is? No, I don't think so. I think it's Alberta. I think it's, if you look back to Ralph Klein, but, you know, it, seemingly the mistakes he made weren't as significant as this or and there wasn't social media and there wasn't the coverage. I think within the province, though, they, they, they're they a bit more free flowing and a little bit used to premiers who speak off the cuff or premiers who are brutally blunt. And that's likely what we're seeing here. I doubt it's as big a deal in Alberta as it is for us outside of the province. Ryan, given uh, the comments that we're talking about, do you think she would be able to move forward with changes to the Human Rights Code? Well, I, I'm assuming she's going to try. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> I feel like that's I feel like a lot of the things she set out are quite bold. Whether it be the the Sovereignty Act, whether it be these changes to the Human Rights Code, uh, code there's there's a, a a lot there. But I mean, if she's got the power of the government behind her, and there's just not a lot to stop her if she wants to do it, but. Um, like I said, they're they're quite dramatic statements, so we'll see if, if she can keep the momentum going. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. Well, there may be lots of fodder for us to talk about going forward now with uh, <laughs> Alberta's new premier. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk a little bit of hockey, not Hockey Canada this time, but the NHL. And there's a question being posed as to whether Alexander Ovechkin should be continuing to play in the NHL. 
That's coming up next on Free For All Friday. I'm Deb Hutton on the iHeart Talk Radio Network. And now more of Free For All Fridays on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Welcome back. I'm Deb Hutton. I'm filling in as your host for the month of October on Free For All Fridays. It's an opportunity for us to take a look in a little bit more detail, uh, the big stories of the week. And joining us to do that this afternoon on the iHeartRadio Network are Ryan Price, who's News Director and Afternoon Drive Host on CFAX 1070 in Victoria, B.C., and Karen Gordon, Principal of Gordon Strategies and the host of Reputation Rescue with Bill Carroll on News Talk 580 CFRA in Ottawa. So we've talked a lot about hockey this last week, and we'll have an opportunity in the last segment to, to actually talk a little bit about Hockey Canada. But right now, I want to ask a question about the captain of the Washington Capitals, Alexander Ovechkin, and whether or not he should continue to play in the NHL. I'll tell you, this is a topic that I'm torn on. Uh, it was raised this morning on News Talk 1010, the John Moore, Moore in the Morning show, uh, when I joined John. And I really don't have a solid position on this, so I'm going to look to the two of you to convince me where I should land. The issue is he has historically been a vocal supporter of Russian President Vladimir Putin. He, uh, his official Instagram profile has a picture of himself and Putin smiling side by side. Of course, side by side. Of course, uh, Ovechkin uh, has had a history of supporting the president. However, on February 25th, he spoke of Putin, which was a day after Russia invaded Ukraine, and said this. Well, he's uh, my president, but how I said, like I'm not in politics, like I'm an athlete. Uh, it's hard situation right now for uh, both sides and. Uh, I have a family back in Russia, and uh, you know it's uh, it's scary moments, but uh, we can't do anything. Uh, we know we just hope it's going to be ended soon. So, given that he was sort of saying, "I'm I'm not a politician. I'm just an athlete. Uh, you know, it's just uh, I have Russian family back in Russia." You would think that maybe he shouldn't be penalized for simply being Russian and being a previous supporter of Putin. But there are calls for his resignation based on a number of past political statements. He's obviously coming up on potentially breaking some of the NHL records. So I am going to start with you, Ryan. Should he be allowed to play? Oh, man, I, I'm with you. I have a real tough time coming up with the right opinion here. So one of the things that I, I'll say, even though I don't like it, because um, I... I'm obviously not a supporter of Vladimir Putin. I think what Russia is doing is horrific, and they are definitely the villain in this story, this invasion of Ukraine. It's awful what is happening, and I in no way support Russia. However, do I like the idea of a, an organization like the NHL sort of being able to decide what their players are allowed to believe politically and punishing them if they believe the wrong thing. I might fully agree that this is the wrong thing and that I don't like what Alex, Alexander Ovechkin has said publicly. I don't like his support for, for Vladimir Putin, but, but uh, what if, what if somebody else had a different political view that the NHL didn't like, but I did agree with Would I like this, Would I like it then. I, I don't know. So I, I feel uneasy with that. And this kind of reminds me of, of, a different situation. Think about a discussion in the world of music or in the world of Hollywood. 
where you have the discussion about trying to separate an artist from the from their their deeds you know the art the art from the man if 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 a musician or an actor is revealed to don't do something that the public doesn't like they they get canceled often right you know like cancel culture is a, is a i don't want to use that term uh because that's that's a loaded uh, loaded term but you know we, we do have this moment where you something happens somebody crosses a line and and you no longer feel good about supporting the artist but what about the the song they made can you still like that song if 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 the if the artist was uh i don't know a womanizer or what, whatever it is that you don't like about them uh can we separate the hockey player and the hockey and the sport from the man here? Uh, can I don't know. I don't have an answer to this. I feel like if somebody is going to cancel Alexander Ovechkin, I would rather it be the fans and not the NHL. I would rather there be a a groundswell of of uh, of people boycotting games or not going or not attending because they they're so angry at this. Kind of like how. It's not the movie studios canceling their actors and actresses. It's not the uh, record companies canceling their their musicians. It's it's the public who decide. No, I don't support this. I feel like that would be a a better way to go here. I've, I'm kind of rambling. I'll let somebody else talk. <laughs> I was going to say, Ryan, your job was to convince me to take a position <laughs> on this because part of me, Karen, says uh, back when the invasion first happened in February. I know the LCBO is the example I use. Came out and said we're going to remove all Russian vodka from our shelves. So it wasn't going to change Putin's uh, actions. It wasn't going to make a major difference. It wasn't a huge economic sanction by any stretch, but it was symbolism and I supported it. And so there's a piece for me in this that says when we are trying to do everything we can as both governments and people who reject his invasion of Ukraine, isn't this a good symbol to move forward on? And, and Deb, I have so much to say. I don't even know where to start. Um, that's where I'm at. It's a symbolism of it. But let's go back to Ovechkin's statement where he says, I'm not a politician. Well, but you've got Putin on your Instagram. It's still there. I'm on it right now. You've got Putin on your Instagram. You've routinely been political. You've said political things. So don't now tell us when it's convenient and you need it, you're not political. The really big one in the pickle here is also the NHL. If they allow him to stay and play, then what do they do when he breaks the big record? What do they do when he beats Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky? Do they make a big deal about it? And getting back to your point around sanctions, sanctions are only sanctions if you use them and, and they work. And in this case, allowing him to continue to play with no harm, no foul, what does that say? It can't be we're going to sanction all these other things, but we're not going to sanction hockey. So I think it's a very complicated issue. I'm not 100% sure where I land, but, but don't tell me you're not political when the steps you're taking are political. The flip side of that is we also know that Putin is a really dangerous guy and Ovechkin has family over there. So he also threads a needle. Trust me, if we can find his Instagram that quick, don't think the Russian, you know, the Russian government isn't watching his Instagram. If he was to take down that Putin photo now, who knows what would happen? So it's complicated on both sides. I'd be shocked if he had sponsors left by the end of the season, but who knows? It's really hard to say. So we got three opinionated people who are straddling the fence on this issue. <laughs> it's so hard. I mean, it's it's again, I, I do think there is an argument for censoring or or not celebrating him or in somehow um, 
uh, and somehow showing us, our, our hockey, hockey fans showing no support for this. But I do feel like I'd rather it come from the fans and not from the NHL. It does make me uncomfortable. I would like to see the NHL not make too much of an effort to celebrate this. And, and it can show its displeasure in other ways. But full on making him resign or, or ignoring him or, or firing him or whatever it is, I feel like that would be too far. But if you don't do that and he does break the record, then it's it's kind of hypocritical to let him break the record but not celebrate him, isn't it, Karen? This is the problem. This is the exact problem. What do you do if you let him stay or he stays, which it looks like he's going to stay, of course, and he breaks the record? I think people are going to be outraged if we have a big OV party because he broke the record. I think the NHL is going to have to make a really tough decision. To me, the perfect fence straddling option is let him break the record and don't even mention it. Yeah. Don't I like that. Just ignore it. Ignore it. Really? Just, I would ignore it. I wouldn't have fireworks or any, like whatever they do to celebrate this milestone. I would just ignore it. Cut to commercial. Does it, <laughs> <laughs> does, does it in it, does it make you think even more about this? If, if uh, I say that he's actually voiced his desire already to play for the national team, uh, as well as for Russia's readmission to the World Cup of Hockey in 2024. In other words, he is solidly standing by his Russian ties. Does that sway either of you at all? Yeah, it pushes me more to that we have to have sanctions. The more he pushes for Russia. Most importantly, Deb, though, my son just texted me, Ben, who you know, he's listening, and he said he should stay because he's on Ben's fantasy hockey team. Ah. So there you go. We are nothing if not practical here on the iHeartRadio Network. <laughs> Coming up after the break, we are going to try something a little bit different in the last uh, segment of the show. We're going to have a lightning round where I'm going to ply Karen and Ryan with a whole bunch of quick topics and get their gut reaction to each of them. I'm Deb Hutton on the iHeart Talk Radio Network. Free for all Fridays on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. I'm Deb Hutton, filling in uh, for the month of October every Friday from 1 till 2 uh, Eastern Time. Joining me this afternoon, two folks who know lots about the topics at hand, Karen Gordon, Principal of Gordon Strategy and host of Reputation Rescue with Bill Carroll on News Talk 580 CFRA in Ottawa, and Ryan Price, who's the News Director and Afternoon Drive host on CFAX 1070 in Victoria, B.C. So we're going to try something a little bit different in this last uh, segment together, and that is to do a bit of a lightning round wrap-up of some of the top stories. And Ryan, I'm going to start with you. Uh, we all know by now earlier this week that Hockey Canada had a wholesale uh, resignation of its CEO and its full board. Here's what Sport Minister Pascal Saint-Ange said uh, on the heels of that announcement. Starting today, we're going to work with the organization to rebuild it and to make sure that the, the new leadership uh, is going to have the same motivation that we have uh, to implement culture change and fight uh, sexual violence in the organization. So, Ryan, it, ap it appears to me that the minister has sort of said, OK, this is adequate. Good. Let's move on. We'll start to rebuild. Is it actually adequate? It feels to me like we still don't have a good handle on what a new Hockey Canada is going to look like. 
Yeah. First off, I want to say it's dangerous because in in the last segment, I spent five minutes talking and not having an opinion on something. So I'm going to see if I can squeeze something out in this lightning round. Um, no, I, I feel like this is only half the equation. Uh, it's great that we finally have this step, but the real important thing is is what happens next and who does it who is appointed to do it because we've got the resignation of the the ceo and the, and the whole board is gone so like the entire management has disappeared they are going to be putting this interim group uh, this committee in place to uh to move forward so who are they we don't know that yet that's important and that will really i think be the moment where we'll get an indication of whether this is going to move forward or if we're just in for more of the same so until then I'm not sure. It's not the end of the story yet. I will say that I'm glad, though, that there is something happening and that uh, a culture that has quietly and, uh, you know, maybe without a ton of uh, of of publication, but still been kind of an ingrained part of, of the hockey culture is finally getting put out into the spotlight and hopefully changed. All right. Topic number two, we're going to you, Karen. So Netflix is giving Canadian viewers the option of a far cheaper monthly subscription plan. The only catch for $5.99 is you get what they say will be between four and five minutes of commercials every hour. Good, bad, indifferent? What's your view, Karen? I I won't be doing it because I can't sit through commercials. I get jumpy. Um, But I think it's a really great idea. I think it opens up the ability to stream to a lot of people. And if I didn't share a subscription with my kids, I'd probably make them go to that uh, $5.99 a month. (laughs) All right. You, you wouldn't do it, but you have no problem getting your kids to do it. Exactly. Exactly. I highly encourage my kids to do it. Topic number three, Ryan, is to you. A toothbrushing program that is soon to be phased in across Quebec in elementary schools is raising concern among teachers because they say they'll be the ones who are called upon to supervise the students as they clean their teeth. Is that just complaining? Is this a good idea? What's your thought on this? Look, I've got two kids that go to school, uh, elementary and middle school right now, and I have a heck of a time trying to get them to brush their teeth properly and police them and make sure they've done it. And I can't imagine being a teacher with over 20 kids and trying to figure out what they're doing. I, I, I think encouraging toothbrushing in the school is fantastic, and hopefully some good hygiene techniques can be taught, but I feel like expecting teachers to... Because uh, I think I was reading that they were, they're, they're supposed to make sure that these kids are doing it for two minutes and making sure their t- technique is good. I think that's putting way too much on teachers. Encourage the toothbrushing, fine, but uh, I feel like it's unfair to teachers the way it's uh, the way it's being rolled out. I got to tell you, one of my kids has braces, and by the time they get home from school, because there are no mirrors in our school, I'm not sure why, but there are no mirrors, and she gets home from school, I would have welcomed an opportunity to have seen a toothbrush on those braces throughout the day. (laughs) All right, topic number four, Karen, we have a new Brunswick education minister who has, I think, done a big, I can't even say it on, on radio, to his premier, to his boss on the way out the door. Last Thursday, uh, later on Thursday, following a cabinet shuffle, uh, the uh, education minister, Dominic Cardi, sent a blistering resignation letter, made it public, calling out Premier Blaine Higgs for his leadership and values. Was this handled appropriately? Is there is there any way that this ends well for this guy, Dominic Cardi? Ah, uh, it's the breakup letter we all wrote to our high school boyfriends and didn't send. <laughs> it's, it's such a good breakup letter, but it's one of those ones you write and then you save it and you never send it. It's fun to read, 
but I think it's a colossal mistake for the guy who wrote it. And Deb, you and I worked at Queens Park for a long, long time. We can totally in our minds, I'm sure we've picked who would have written that letter when we worked in government. But yeah, it's the breakup letter you should never send. I, I do want to give um, a shout out here to the to the premier's response, Premier Higgs' response. He, he obviously knew that I wasn't happy with, with the progress in education. I've been talking about this for, for 10, 12 years now um, in, in relation to us having better better outcomes, but better classroom experiences. So um, obviously uh, the, the Premier having handled that uh, as best you could with that sort of kick you on your way out the door. Hey. Topic number five, Ryan, we've got a Halloween decoration outside a Montreal home that's sparking a huge, de huge debate about what is too far when it comes to Halloween decorations. What is completely distasteful as opposed to just scary? So this is actually a dummy who looks to have been hanged uh, from the front of this home in Montreal. Does it go too far or is Halloween just fun for everybody, Ryan? I think this one does go too far because this looks like a real person. It doesn't look fake at all. There's you know, a pair of jeans, uh, sneakers, gloves, a jacket. Like It looks like a real person who's hanging. And then the other thing about it, and I'm afraid I've only seen the picture in the news. I haven't actually seen uh, more than just this one photo that, that shows it. And in the one photo, it looks like it's all there is. Like there aren't other decorations around it. It's not like it's this crazy Halloween funhouse with all sorts of things and this just this one piece. It looks to me like all it is is there's a tree outside and there's a body hanging from it. That seems a little distasteful for me. Um, I know near my house, when some of the neighbors put up their decorations, there are cartoon-looking skeletons hanging from nooses on trees. So, I mean, I, I feel like the sentiment is okay, but this one goes too far, in my opinion. The execution was the problem for you. No pun yeah, intended. Yeah, didn't stick the landing. <laughs> All right, topic number six. Karen, our top doctor here in Ontario, Kieran Moore, is saying that there will be a quite complex and difficult winter ahead battling COVID, and he is bringing up the concept of maybe some more mask recommendations, dare I say it, mandates. Do you think there's any appetite in uh, in the country, but certainly here in the province of Ontario, for more mask mandates. So I like the idea that Dr. Moore is bringing it up now. I, As much as it's nobody wants to talk about it, I don't think there's an appetite for mask mandates, but I like that he's starting to lay the groundwork. I think from a comms end, we're mid-October and he needs to get us ready. And that tells me the fact he's bringing it up now tells me we are definitely looking at mask mandates in a wicked summer, a wicked winter. We so from the six, whoops, sorry, Karen, we only got through okay. six topics. It wasn't that much of a lightning round, but thank you to Ryan Price of CFA, CFAX and Karen Gordon of Principal Strategies.